What's, What's up, ladies? Welcome to the Urban Christian Woman. I am Toshiba Oliver, one of your hosts. And I'm Leah Ross, your other host. Living as an urban Christian woman is an amazing gift and an incredible responsibility. We need God's truth to shape and transform us. The Urban Christian Woman is a space to help us grow in faith and steward who we are and the cultural context in which we live. On this podcast, we will excavate God's word and have great conversation about books of the Bible, discuss things happening in culture along with its challenges and how the Bible responds, and hear from and be encouraged by women living faithfully in everyday spaces for the glory of God. So listen, wherever you are, know that in this space, come on in because the water is fine and be equipped for everyday life through the Urban Christian Woman podcast. Welcome to the Urban Christian Woman. What's up, ladies? Welcome back to the Urban Christian Woman podcast. I am so pumped that we get to keep going in Luke. This Mm -hmm. week, we're doing Luke 9 and 10. Yes, we are. As we continue in the ways of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. The ways of the kingdom. The ways of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's been a good run, ladies. We are so grateful for you all and how you have been graciously tracking with us through the book of Luke. And we know that we're continuing. What a journey. What a journey. What a journey. We we feel like as we were debriefing, we were like, man, these podcasts are getting a little too long. So we're going to reel ourselves in. (laughs) And I'm already on a tangent. So we're going to jump right into chapters 9 and 10 in the book of Luke. And man, there's so... Uh, is such beauty and goodness mm-hmm. um, in the word. And so we're talking about the ways of the kingdom. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, the ways Leah. of the kingdom. The yeah. ways of the kingdom in Luke 9 and 10, uh, we're seeing that the way of the kingdom here is a call to follow Jesus at all costs. If you don't get but one takeaway, mm-hmm. that is the key takeaway mm-hmm. of chapter 9 and 10. Mm-hmm. It is a call to follow Jesus at Yes, at all costs. At all, at all costs. costs. All and costs. so if you are just jumping in with us now, we would encourage you to listen back to the past several episodes. In previous episodes, we've sort of demarked where we've come from in each chapter. Mm-hmm. But um, because you know now we're getting into 9 and 10, we're just going to jump into right where we are here in 9 and 10. And so in chapters 9 and 10, we see that Jesus reveals more of who he is. He commissions the disciples to preach and heal in the manner as he has been doing, and then for the first time reveals to his disciples this mission to suffer, die, and be raised on the third day. So that's where we're tracking in 9 and 10. Mm -hmm. And um, as we usually do, we're going to look at who the key players are and some of the background to this chunk of Luke in 9 and 10. Yeah, in chapters 9 and 10, um, and in particular in chapter 9, we see uh, Jesus as the as one of the key players, these 12 apostles with a key focus on Peter, James, and John. At a certain point in chapter 9, it's just Jesus having a dialogue and discourse with these three men. And then we see Herod, we see the crowds, um, we see Moses and Elijah, a boy with an unclean spirit and his father um, and um, the Samaritan people. And then, of course, I have to say this, Um, Not only do we see Moses and Elijah, but we see God the Father. God the Father, yes. Y'all, God the... the glory. Mm -hmm. Ooh, my goodness, honey. Chapter 10, we see Jesus, and and now we uh, will see 72 disciples. Mm -hmm. Verses 12, we see 72, um, and we see a lawyer, 
um, this priest, Levi, Samaritan, and then Mary and Martha. And then this, we, we sort of were like, okay, let's shape, what do we see? And when is this taking place? Well, really, there are no clear, solid specifications of when it's taking place. But what we do see um, coming off of chapter, coming into chapter nine is the disciples are coming with Jesus from seeing Jesus do the miracles of healing and proclaiming the good news. And, um, and then as we move forward in chapter 10, we begin to see um, Jesus as well as the 72 disciples, and they are now journeying through Bethsaida, okay? And so this is taking place at this time. Where is it taking place? They're going all over. They're going through the villages. They're going through Bethsaida. They're on a mountain. They're in Samaritan villages. They're going from Galilee towards Jerusalem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then we see why this is taking place in chapters 9 and 10. And um, it, it doesn't particularly say in these chapters, which is why context is very important. In chapter 8, verse 9, we see that Jesus is wanting his disciples to know the secrets of the kingdom of God to prepare them for the mission of God mm -hmm. through his son, Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. And so, Leah, let's talk about some of these themes in chapter 9 and yeah, chapter 10. Yes. So in chapter 9, um, we're seeing Jesus uh, sort of multiplies the mission, right? So he's got this, He Jesus's mission, which is, right, bringing the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. He's multiplying it by first sending out the 12, and then we see this multiplication because right when he first his first disciples that he calls is just three of them, then it's twelve, and then the apostles, then there's seventy two disciples, and there's sort of on and on this continued multiplication as Jesus prepares to hand over sort of the mission of the church, the mm -hmm. mission of God mm -hmm. to the people. Um, of and God. he's right yeah. to the people of God, mm -hmm. right? Jesus has his own mission, mm -hmm. right? Which is to the cross and to ascension. And so he's handing off gradually as we see the mission on earth. Um, and then we also see him endowing the disciples with his power and authority to preach the gospel and heal everywhere. And that ties into how they're going to sort of take the ball and carry on this mission. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we see this repeated question. Luke goes back again and again to show us this question, who is this? We have various characters throughout the book of Luke who are saying, who is this Jesus? Mm -hmm. um, and then also in chapter nine, we see that uh, the kingdom of God, like it's the cost and the implications of the kingdom of God. And we're going to unpack that too, the cost and the implications of the kingdom of God at work. Mm -hmm. And then in chapter 10, our themes that we're seeing again is this multiplication of disciples. We're also seeing themes of repentance and how that plays. And then the juxtaposition of a repentant and unrepentant city or person. And then we also see um, this following suit of seeing, hearing, and doing, and how those things sort of march into each other, this seeing, hearing, and doing, how they play together as people respond to Jesus and respond to his message. So yeah, yeah let's go into 
what repeated words we see and these key verses as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that as you guys can already tell, you've heard some words repeated between Mm -hmm. Leah and I, which of course is the kingdom of God. We're going to see this repeated word about glory, um, the word follow, proclaim, Uh, this prayer, man, prayer is an essential repeated word. And then of course we see the son of man. And I love how we continue to see um, as well, the names of God um, coming forth in chapters nine and 10. We see master, we see teacher, we see son of man. And then we see when when Jesus is going to talk to Peter, he says, Christ of God. Mm -hmm. It's the son of man and son of God Mm -hmm. merging together, Mm -hmm. y'all. It's so good. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about these key verses, Leah. Why don't you read them for us? So our key verses here, uh, we're going to anchor ourselves in chapter 9, 21 through 23. And so I'm just going to read those for us. Um, And 21 says, and he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Mm -hmm. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And so I think right there we've got not only Jesus disclosing, "This this is the trajectory, this is what I came to do and this is what I'm going to do. But then also, as you hear and receive that, this is the response of this is what my disciples, what my followers are going to do, sort of, if you're going to fall in line with my mission, this is what the response is. Mm -hmm. And then also, we wanted to anchor ourselves in um, chapter 10, verse 9, where Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And so he's, again, proclaiming these central messages of this mission of Christ, which is to come, to suffer, to die, and to be raised. Mm -hmm. He's saying in all of those things, Mm -hmm. not only do you respond, but also you see the kingdom of God has come near to you. So yeah, so let's just go dive into, that's that's sort of like the 30,000 foot view. And so now as we go through, let's look at what's going on in the text and how we can listen Um, in each of these passages of what Jesus is saying. Hey ladies, we are so grateful to bring you the ministry of the Urban Christian Woman right into your headsets, your airwaves every single week. We have seen God at work through the varying resources of the Urban Christian Woman, be it the blogs, the podcasts, the events held locally in the Cleveland, Ohio area. Currently, we are seeking to reach our giving goal of $1,500 of monthly givers to fuel God's kingdom work in the lives of urban women all across the U.S. So we would ask you to consider giving as little as $5 a month to the work of the urban Christian woman and help equip urban women with God's truth for everyday life. You can give right now by going to www.theurbanchristianwoman.com. Thanks in advance for your investment into the lives of urban women. Let's dig right on into chapter nine. And um, in chapter nine, what we're going to see is Jesus is commissioning the apostles Um, by endowing them and telling them um, their power and authority is for whoever, whatever, and wherever 
they are called. Mm -hmm. And so we see this in chapter 9, verses 1 through 17. We will see the word, Mm -hmm. we will see work, and we will see witness. Mm. And so let's just jump right in. Word, work, and witness. Yeah, we're going to see what this commissioning is actually wrapped in. It, It inculcates itself with word, work, and witness. And so let me just just sort of sum up what is happening in chapter um, 9, verses 1 through 17. We're going to see Jesus, and Jesus is on the scene right after he has healed uh, multiple people, um, the woman with the issue of blood, as well as Jairus's daughter, and um, he is with P- Peter, James, and John. He then calls all 12, 12 of them together, and he says, Hey, what you've been seeing me do all this time, I'm going to endow you all to do this through my power and authority. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he he pours out his power and authority um, on them to be able to... um, cure diseases, but it, the the key phrase that we'll hear over and over again as we go through this chapter is he's really endowing them to proclaim yeah. the kingdom of yeah. God and to hear, mm-hmm. to heal mm-hmm. and to heal. And so uh, as they move forward in their journey, he's going to begin to not only endow them with the power and the authority to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal, but then he's going to begin to instruct them of what they should or should not mm-hmm. have with them mm-hmm. as they move forward. So so it's not even, it's so what you're saying is it's not just like the proclamation, which is the word, mm-hmm. and then the healing, which is the work, yeah. but then the witness is, right, what they will take with how they yeah. go about this mission. It's the how. It's yeah. the manner to which they go. Right? Yeah, yeah. And they're going very minimally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're going very minimally um, to the point where he says in his word in mm-hmm. chapter 9 in verse uh, 3, he says, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bread, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tent- tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So the goal is to preach the gospel yeah. and to um, and to heal everywhere that they go. Now, here's the interesting thing. Like, why is Jesus saying, don't take this stuff with you, mm-hmm. right? He's saying that because for those of us who are about the kingdom of God, for those of his disciples mm-hmm. and those who will follow him are about the kingdom, it is juxtaposition to worldliness. Right. So you try and to gather all these goods Mm -hmm. is a reflection of what the world Mm -hmm. focuses their mind on. That's why we can um, think about the passage in in Matthew 6, 33, where it says, do not worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, or what you will will wear, but seek first the kingdom of God, right? So there's this posture of for the one who follows Jesus, we live minimally because we're living in the space of servitude. And when I'm saying minimally, minimally I'm saying hey we're not calling you Jesus is not calling you towards uh, the <laughs> like, life of minimalism yeah, yeah, like, like what we're talking Instagram minimalist that's not what we're talking about right we're here we're not that's talking not, about that no. Jesus is saying I'm, simply maybe simpler s- simpler yeah, is a better way to yeah, put it yeah 
a simpler right, right mm-hmm. which is it, the best way is a call towards servitude yeah that you're not living for the things of this world mm-hmm. but you're living for the kingdom of God yeah. and yeah. so there would be persecution and hardship to come after mm-hmm. Christ's ascension and the time of building the early church mm-hmm. Jesus was preparing a type of ministry that could thrive in those circumstances yeah. Yeah. right that's real and so real. and so this posture of servitude was saying hey we're not coming for our own good we can even look at the scribes and the pharisees Mm -hmm. and how they were coming in the gospel was juxtaposed to that Mm -hmm. and at the same time what would happen is is when someone would come into would come to repentance Mm -hmm. well when you have a change of heart you're also having when you're having a change of mind and a change of heart that's what repentance is Mm -hmm. then what happens is you're like no what's mine is yours because I love my neighbor as my love as I love myself and we were even talking about how like that that um, early early uh, history that time of eastern uh, culture was so much based around right like not this sort of stacks on stacks but right. everyday people lived right. day by day right and so there was a right. sense of if you really go into minister to the day by day people yeah you're going to posture yourself as a day by day person to show that you have this reflected dependence on me Jesus the yeah. Lord yeah and yeah. then also yeah that people would reflect their repentance yeah. right by providing yeah. the needs as they went absolutely it's a it's a call towards the denial of yeah. security and mm-hmm. the joy of servitude yeah. in the kingdom of yeah. God. That's mm-hmm. that's what it is. So it is. verse seven, seven is a parenthesis of that and their mission brought their reputation all the way. Yeah, we see this like little spot of hearing. Oh my goodness, to this. Which is just really talking about like the traction of the message of Jesus. Like it's, it's it, happening. It builds. The, the kingdom is literally being mm-hmm. built and we see this quick, uh, this quick just just sentence about Herod and Herod is like, yo, John the Baptist, mm-hmm. I beheaded this dude, and you're telling me that there is someone procla- still proclaiming a kingdom. Who is mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. And Herod begins to seek out yeah. who this yeah. person is. And who again, Jesus there's is. an echo of Luke's question: Who is this Jesus? Who is We're this Jesus? This question and the mm-hmm. point. Is we're gonna we're gonna get to the bottom of this. We're gonna answer this question. <laughs> we're gonna get to the bottom of it. That's right. That's right. So you see, from the least to the greatest, uh-huh. is seeking to identify who this Jesus is, and then we get to Jesus modeling his provision. And what I found most fascinating in verses ten through seventeen is that um, Jesus did not intentionally seek mm-hmm. out. He was actually going to withdraw and to pray and be away, be with the disciples. Right. Mm -hmm. But what we see is happening is um, uh, that people are following him and he's like, well, let's go ahead and just I'm not going to deny people who are drawing near to me. So this was right on the tail end of an intense mission and the disciples were seeking reprieve, but the crowds were not relenting. So Jesus Mm -hmm. answers the disciples' concern for the crowd by saying, um, you give them something to eat. He calls the disciples towards that. Hey, disciples, y'all got got the power and the authority Mm -hmm. that I just bestowed upon you that I have. Y'all give them something something to eat. They had no clue what he was talking about. No clue. They had no clue. Right? Which will ultimately end up being what happens, but not by how 
the disciples could have conceived in their minds, mm-hmm. right? So he I has, love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he has the disciples sit the people down in groups of 50. He took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. He gave it to the disciples to give out to these groupings, which right? Which is so, yeah, which to me, it was like a huge foreshadowing of the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. He's he's taking it. And it's even the words, like he takes, he blesses, he yes. breaks. So this is a foreshadowing yes. of what's to come, right? Yes. This is a preparation mm-hmm. for the disciples to even be the ones that are nourishing God's people once mm-hmm. Jesus ascends. Mm-hmm. And so he's setting that up. He's even setting that up by saying, you give them something to eat, yeah. right? Because yeah. he's like, you, when, I, when I ascend, you're going to be giving the bread of life to the people. Yeah, yeah. And you don't even know how. Yeah. And I'm about to show you how. Yeah. It's by the power of God at work. Yeah. And this is what I love about Jesus so much, why he's Lord of my life, because he's not he's not giving us any instruction that he himself is not modeling mm-hmm. or instructing us towards. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we see with the disciples, right? So there were these 12 baskets of broken pieces left over, and those the disciples are baskets of brokenness yeah. that will carry God. God's abundant yeah. grace to yeah. the world. Yeah. And of course, we see this number 12, mm-hmm. which is pointing to the new Israel. Yeah. yeah, And then we see Jesus's discourse, right? We see Jesus's discourse with Peter and the disciples. And um, they're asking, Jesus is saying, who do you say that I am? Um, and and they're saying, well, some say that you, you are, are uh, this and you're that. Um, in verses uh, 18 through 27. And so we see who Jesus is, what he came to do, and how it impacts his followers. So Leah, sort of walk us through a little bit of that. I love that it's sort of like uh, the DTR, right? Define the relationship. Peter, Jesus asked Peter like, okay, what is, who do you say that I am? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, he asks Peter with this sort of, with this plural pronoun, you. Mm -hmm. And so Peter is not just speaking for himself, but he's sort of speaking collectively for the disciples, right? Yeah, yeah. And we know that actually up until this point, Jesus has only really been called the Christ by like demons, yeah, um, by supernatural beings, and then obviously Luke because he's got he's writing after the fact the whole the whole thing sort of right. packaged together. Right. But now we see that the disciples are proclaiming that Jesus is more than a prophet. Mm-hmm. They're finally proclaiming like he is the Messiah, mm-hmm. and so like what we see is this shift of their profession that opens up this vibe where Jesus is like, okay, now I can disclose to you more of who I am and more of what I came to do because I see you responding and understanding the eyes of your heart are beginning to be open. Beginning, yeah. keyword beginning, because beginning. we see them oh my God. acting all types Just of hold on, pocket. hold on, y'all. They're going to they fall off the, off the train. Right here, we turn the corner. We turn the corner. We turn the corner. And the next thing that happens Help in... Verses 28 through 36 is this transfiguration moment. And um, then we see Peter, James, and John. They're in this space where, where they see the transfiguration. They see the clouds open up. Moses and Elijah are there mingling with Jesus, just mingling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, okay, let's, here we go. This is our moment. We're going to build a tent for them. And they just totally, they just miss it, right? So, mm-hmm. and it's, and to me, it's like they, we see that it's revealed how hard it is for them to sort of come out of this mindset of their like high level religiosity, right? They get it, right. they know what to do. They're like, we see, we see these revelations. Now we're going to build a tent. Right. And the crazy part is too, like, even as you're talking about Jesus having this dis- discourse with them, 
he is he also in this time has through the discourse has told him who he is mm-hmm. and what he's coming to do. Mm-hmm. He foretells of his death, mm-hmm. which is our key verse, mm-hmm. right? Like that, listen, I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be rejected by elders and chief priests and scribes, mm-hmm. killed and, and and raised on the third day. And he's like, come join me in this. So they've gotten the yeah. glimpse. They're like, they've yeah. gotten the glimpse. They've gotten mm-hmm. the whole discourse. And as soon as the, we see this transfiguration mm-hmm. where there is, you've got Moses and Elijah in glory, mm-hmm. okay? The disciples are are taking barely about, they almost about to take a nap. They're just <laughs> doggone tired. They are not woke. They are not woke at all. And they look up and they see Jesus's face like, Gle- mm-hmm. just 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 glory all over it it's just shining mm-hmm. right and they're like yo like what yeah this is about wait a minute and they're saying they, then they hear Moses and Elijah ex- ex- saying to Jesus uh, talking to Jesus about his departure right and he just they're like well let me set up a tent for you Peter's like I know just what to do I know what to do let me set up a tent let me set up three tents one for you one for Elijah and one for you Moses and can you imagine God the Father overshadowing in a cloud like you need to stop because you don't know what you're talking about. This is my, he says, this is my this son. This is my son. This is the one, this is my son, the one I have chosen. Mm-hmm. You need to listen to him. Mm-hmm. You sitting up here trying to run, run, run the, uh, the, the whole, uh, the whole mission. No, you're a follower. Yeah. Listen to him. Listen. Exclamation point. It, come on now. Okay. <laughs> but I, I'm, I gotta stop because I'm like, listen, Peter, he, as, as hot mess as he is right here, it totally personifies the struggle of all of us in our journeys of faith mm. because it's like Peter just said, you are the Christ of God. Like you are the Messiah from God who has come. Yes. And then we turn around and have this moment. And so honestly, like Peter is all over the place. Like, all over and the so place. are we, right? We get there, but we have so long to go to mm. really fully embrace and understand the weight of who Jesus is and, and the mm. significance of it. Yeah. And so Peter's just right there. Like mm-hmm. he's just a perfect example of that. He is just all over the place. But that doesn't, you know, that's not saying that his heart is not genuine. It's just his faith is tiny and it's growing and it's growing and it's growing. Yes, yes, yes. And from there, what do we see? We see these three disciples who are continuing to move forward with Christ after the transfiguration. They're now in the next day. They're seeing um, this this boy with this unclean spirit. And Jesus is like, listen, y'all, listen. In verse 37, he's like, yo, I want y'all to go do the healing that I have commissioned you all to do. Mm -hmm. And this little boy is here and the father comes back and says, hey, they couldn't, they couldn't get the spirit. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. They could not. They could not. They could not. And, And Jesus goes on to say, oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? And so we see that the disciples are lacking some faith. Mm-hmm. There's some faithlessness here and their faithful faithlessness leads to them moving forward in the next couple of verses are moving towards fear as Jesus begins to tell them that he's going to be delivered into the hands of men 
They're like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. And they just immediately just stone cold get afraid. They're like, we don't even understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. They didn't understand it. And so um, because of that, they immediately go to fear. And we know that faithlessness breeds fear, Mm -hmm. right? And then after we get to that, after they go from faithlessness to fear, in the next verses, we see them now going back into leaning on their own understanding, yeah. right? Yeah. Leaning mm-hmm. in the, on their own understanding, mm-hmm. which causes this fighting mm-hmm. and this faulty following. So they start arguing about who is the greatest mm-hmm. in God's kingdom. And then um, after that, they begin to argue. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they begin to come and sort of be like tattletales, like Jesus. Somebody is uh, doing miracles in your and name. He's not one of us, and he's not one of us. Yeah. And the, uh, they're casting out demons in your name. And he and Jesus just sort of responds, yeah. real, like uh, for the one who is not against you is for you. Yeah. He's like he for me. Yeah, if he calling out my name, he's right? for me. And I re- and and he, I love how he reframes it because the disciples are like, he's not one of us, and Jesus is like, he is one of he us. He is one of us. He is one of us. He you is. He's a disciple. Yeah, he's he a is. disciple. <laughs> he, is. he is. So they they go from this this fighting uh, about who's the greatest. Mm-hmm. Then they're uh, upset because there's somebody who mm-hmm. they're fighting with themselves they're Mm -hmm. fighting with their neighbor and then they're fighting with the other in Mm -hmm. the nations and y'all it was so crazy in chapter in verses 51 and on we see that they go into this samaritan village and in this samaritan village um these samaritans are not are not seeking to receive jesus because he has made a decision and he is setting himself towards jerusalem he's drawing near and when they hear that of course, as Samaritans, Samaritans with Jews, there's hostility. Yeah. And so they reject the word of the Lord in this village. Well, and even like there is, so why is there hostility, right? There is this response of hostility because the Samaritans have been treated hostily by Jews. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this otherizing of them. And because of that, their sort of response is, okay, like we know y'all don't want to have anything to do with us and we don't want to have anything to do with Mm -hmm. you. And so, but what's crazy is that the response then from the Jewish followers of Jesus are like, okay, well, we're about to, we're about to wreck shop in here. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That's, that's actually not what I came to do. Mm -hmm. That's not what I came to do. So Mm -hmm. slow down and remembering that like Jesus's mission is not judgment at this moment. It's mercy. Yes. It's mercy. And they yes. miss that because of this sort of culmination of faithlessness, fear, fighting, and it just causes them to be blind to what Jesus is actually doing and what he's calling them to be a part of as well. Right. And they, and so you sort of see this regression, right? Mm-hmm. With what you're saying is yeah. they're going back and back and back yeah. into worldliness. And yeah. it's so easy. Mm-hmm. It's so quick and easy to take place, right? Yeah. So we, we see that taking place in verse 51. And then what ends up happening in the last part of the text is they they're sort of operating as these faulty followers that they say like listen lord i will follow you i will follow you and jesus is like listen foxes have holes and birds have ne- birds have uh, uh birds of the air have nests but the son of man have nowhere 
to lay his head. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, yeah. He's like, no, no, no. This th- the kingdom of God. You you become an alien mm-hmm. when you begin to follow me. And so they begin to go into, well, yeah, I will follow you, but. Mm-hmm. And that is how we get to the end of chapter nine. And it begins to segue into these faulty followers who are saying, I will follow you, but. And Jesus begins almost like a repeating in chapter 10 of the same discourse that he did at the beginning of chapter nine when he now calls and commissions the 72 disciples. Ladies, if you're enjoying the ministry and content of the Urban Christian Woman, would you take a minute to write a review and give us a rating on iTunes? Our goal is to get truth into the hands of urban women. You can help us by leaving even a one sentence review and some stars. This simple act will help increase our visibility for more women to find this podcast and resources to help equip them in their everyday lives. So girl, what you waiting for? Just go ahead and do it right now. And if you haven't yet, join our community on social media. You can find us on Instagram at The Urban Christian Woman, Facebook, The Urban Christian Woman, and on our website, which is theurbanchristianwoman.com. So Leah's lead us into chapter 10. Yeah, I mean, he's talking about this same level of multiplication. So it is a repeat of the call. It's um, Jesus calling the disciples um, and he's calling them and he's saying, you know, this unique, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So he's calling mm-hmm. them to pray to the Lord mm-hmm. for laborers and go. Mm-hmm. So we, we know and we see that God's kingdom is coming near to them. And so he goes on to talk about, okay, well, there either will be these woes mm-hmm. and this sorrow and condemnation for the unrepentant towns and villages. Like Beth, Bethsaida, mm-hmm. like Capernaum, where he had already... So these are places that he's he already, already been. been. He had already been. He had already been. And they had seen multiple miracles. And so what's unpacked here is that there, for those that have seen and been exposed to so much, yeah. then the weight of their unrepentance would be even greater. And he's saying, look, Tyre and Sidon, they're out here on the coast. They, you know, it, it will be worse for those who have seen and known the the extent of these miracles yeah. than for those that that have just only t- seen a tiny little bit yeah a little a fragment a fragment of it yeah mm, 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 mm-hmm. mm, mm, mm. and so we see that we see mm-hmm. that he is deeply in sorrow and and calling these woes these sorrows of condemnation for those who have seen him at work over and over again and then for those who um, are repentant he then begins to rejoice, right? And so these, these 72 um, in verses 17 on are going to begin to be commissioned and they're going out yeah. ahead of Jesus. Yeah. And um, as they're doing the work of Jesus by proclaiming the good news and healing, it's interesting that these 72 are casting out demons yeah. And even the demons are subject to these 72, not because of the power 
of these individuals, mm-hmm. but because of the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so the 72 are saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Right, right. right. And Jesus yeah. is like, yep, you're yeah. absolutely right. Because yeah. I actually saw Satan mm-hmm. fall like lightning from heaven. And him saying that is so significant because that is him saying, I was there from the beginning. Yep. So he's our, he's speaking to his oneness with God, yep. the creator from the beginning. Yep. And I saw this. And and then leading them to saying, listen, I know, I know this. I mm-hmm. know these things. I know how the heavenlies work. What you rejoice in is that your names are written in the book of life. Yep. You rejoice in eternal life. Yeah. 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 And we see them indeed rejoicing because of the the power of Christ's name. And so as they are rejoicing in the Holy Spirit, Jesus begins to give thanks to the Father of heaven um, who has hidden these things from those who are like the chief, I mean, the priests and the kings, right, who are seeking their own wisdom and understanding. And he's saying, but to those who are my disciples, he's saying this privately, he says, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear. And then we fall we fall and flow into this parable, Leah, yeah. with Jesus yeah. and this lawyer right. in verses 25 right. through 37. Right. And it, it does, it right, it begins to echo like this seeing and hearing. We're actually going to see that theme, like this seeing and hearing mm-hmm. for the rest of chapter 10. Mm-hmm. And it comes into sort of culmination right now with Jesus in this interaction with this lawyer. Mm-hmm. Right, The lawyer stands up and first of all, he des- he says he desires to put him to the test. And so we know, okay, right, you're not going to test Jesus. And Jesus is always going to deal with the intent of, of their hearts as, as the lawyers and as mm-hmm. these religious folks trying to test him. Mm-hmm. And in this case, you know, Jesus saw that the need was to flip the script and have this lawyer end up really justifying himself mm-hmm. um, because he's asking, Ooh, right, girl, how to yes. inherit eternal life. But yes. but Jesus is like, listen, I know the intent of your heart. Yeah. We need he's to talk about that. He's perceiving all the time. He perceives it. He's perceiving he it all, all the time. time. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and he plays out this parable. He chooses intentionally the actors in this parable to be sort of these unlikely characters to sort of flip the script, mm-hmm. which is always working to expose the lawyer's heart. Right. And so then he talks through this parable of the Good Samaritan. And the point of the parable, it points back to right, like what Jesus said in verse 23. Mm-hmm. Are you those who see and hear what mm-hmm. is the seeing and hearing, which is always revealed revealed by the Father? Yep. That he says, if you see that, mm-hmm. Then this seeing and hearing for for you leads to compassion and love for your neighbor. It leads you to a do it. It to, to the doing, right? Mm-hmm. This lawyer, he's trying to inherit eternal life, but but when he's tested, it reveals like he's really only attached to his sort of expectations, mm-hmm. right? The the even just the use of the Samaritan uh-huh. in, in this story. At the end, the lawyer says. He won't even say, when Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers, right? He lists them. He says, there's this priest who passes by on the other side. He says, a Levite passes by on the other side. But a Samaritan came and when he saw him, he had compassion. And what was that compassion? It was the working out of giving both his time, his his service, his his energy, his money, all of that towards this hurting and broken person. Mm. 
And then he says, okay, so which of these what did you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Mm. He couldn't even say the Samaritan. Mm. He, he probably would have said the Levite. Mm-hmm. He probably would have said the priest. But he just when, it, when the Samaritan was the answer, he was just like, listen, the one. The one. The one. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, you go and do likewise. And for Jesus to commission a lawyer to be like a Samaritan, Y'all, that was confrontational. That was highly confrontational. That was scandalous. It was so scandalous. It was so scandalous. And but it really is the evidence that he truly does not no, see and hear, no, he and that a call hearing. towards following mm-hmm. Jesus is to see and to hear and to do and to care, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. care that compassion, that mercy. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we see right at the tail end of this, we see this narrative of Mary and Martha, right? And they're just another example of how right seeing and hearing leads to doing. Mm -hmm. We see that Martha uh, was distracted with much serving. And then Jesus juxtaposes uh, this to to Mary, um, who is doing one thing versus Martha, who is concerned about many things. Mm -hmm. And I love this this, uh, narrative as well, because it's not saying that Mary was not along with her sister and wasn't doing it. No, she just left. Right. She left. And and so Mary chose the one thing, right? It just as as Jesus is the father said in front of Peter um when he was with Elijah and with Moses like this is my son whom I have chosen. There's this intentionality towards choosing yeah. him. Yeah choosing him and Mary has chosen that one thing that God the Father has made known and revealed and Jesus says this will not be mm-hmm. taken away from mm-hmm. her and so it just circles back to the element of witness that we see when Jesus calls the disciples mm-hmm. to go out with this, this simplicity mm-hmm. and Martha has chosen to juggle all the things and try to saddle Mary with the same burdens mm-hmm. but Mary has chosen mm-hmm. this same simplicity this she's saying listen i want to be right where he is i want to see and to hear Mm -hmm. so that when it is time for me to get up and do i'm not doing and distracting and doing many things but i'm locked into what he has commissioned me to Mm -hmm. do that's Mm -hmm. right and so we see that how do we see christ in this text we see that Christ is the son of man who will suffer, be rejected, killed, and rise on the third day. Yeah. We see him. He's saying, listen, I'm going to do this. And because of this, mm-hmm. there are so many implications for us spiritually, personally, and yeah. social, yeah. culturally. Yeah. And I mean, like first and foremost is the fact that we this echoed question who is Jesus as we look towards these implications this echoed question it, the thing that continues yeah. to be repeated yeah we cannot walk away from the gospel of Luke without asking ourselves that very question for ourselves who do I say that Jesus is and can I just say this the reason why we're saying it we're not saying it 
with this level of doubt, but we should be questioning because listen, the book of Luke at the beginning and at the end, and when you get in chapter one, by the time we get to chapter 24, it's just a reiteration of what he's saying in chapter one, Mm -hmm. verses one through four. Just as Luke wanted to Theophilus to know Mm -hmm. and have certainty certainty. about the things that were accomplished. When Jesus is asking this, he is asking it so that you know with certainty what he has accomplished Mm -hmm. through himself Mm -hmm. and his people so that for us today, we will know so that we can walk with certainty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And who this Jesus is. Right. And we have to answer that question because... If we if we're if we're coming squarely with the truth of who Jesus is, yeah. it leads to a costly discipleship. As we saw this, girl, Jesus bye. was like, "You can't be like, girl, bye. I will follow you, but I know, girl. I will follow you, and I know." And this is what's happening right now. I know, girl. We got people who will say all different manner of things about who Jesus is. They'll say, "Yeah, Jesus and mm-hmm. Jesus and my prosperity, mm-hmm. Jesus and this other God, mm-hmm. Jesus and my mm-hmm. social agenda, uh, Jesus." Jesus and my political party. Right. Come on now. And so he is he's mm. he's saying, no, we gotta get to the heart of that. Mm. Because one, knowing who Jesus is and following him cannot be separate from each other. Ooh, say that one more time. Knowing who Jesus is and following him with that with that seriously costly discipleship, mm-hmm. they cannot be separated from each other. Mm. And so then this leads to this leads to these implications. What is right costly discipleship? What Let me not is, get too pumped woo, up. We getting pumped what up right now because we love application discipleship. I mean, at first we got it. We see that it begins with this constancy of prayer. Mm. So Jesus is 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 here in this passage, going in and out of these moments of ministering, and he's doing it fluidly with this prayer. Mm-hmm. Right, this word, work, and witness is always backed with this constant prayer mm-hmm. that Jesus is modeling. It, whether it's mm. in preparation for a mm-hmm. moment of ministering, whether it's after a moment of ministering, withdrawing, mm-hmm. or whether it's in the moment. Yeah, there's always this fluidity of prayer Mm, and that's a whole word right there Mm -hmm. that's a whole word right there because we can often find ourselves just prioritizing prayer at the first part of our day or before we hit our head on our pillow and what we see Jesus modeling for us if anyone is to come after me take Mm -hmm. let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me Mm -hmm. what we're seeing is what you're talking about Mm -hmm. we should be that's why it says pray at all times yeah yeah, the co- pray without the ceasing of it. Yes, mm. yes, yes. Back. Go yes. On. Go on. Go yes. On. I Go mean, on. that's a whole thing in and of itself. It's a whole thing in and of itself. So that fluidity and the consistency yes. of prayer. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And then again with the costly discipleship mm. for us, that is the seeing the word, the work, and the witness going where ever bringing that witness of the gospel wherever Mm. we go and it's allowing every area of our lives to be commissioned to this mission of God right Mm -hmm. allowing my words allowing my deeds and Mm. my lifestyle to all be in alignment with the ways of his kingdom Mm. and so as we were sort of unpacking that we're like okay what does it look like for my words to be aligned with the mission of his kingdom Mm -hmm. what does it look like for my deeds my work if you will and then what does it look like for my witness that lifestyle of simplicity to actually yeah. be aligned with the ways of his kingdom. Mm-hmm. So we're, we ask we ask ourselves, are our words proclaiming the kingdom of God? 
I mean, that's the most simple. You can't get no more simpler I'm than that. Straight up. And I'm telling you, coming off of this week, I don't know about oh, y'all. Have you know, mercy. but have your words yeah. been proclaiming the kingdom uh, of God, uh-huh. or were your words proclaiming your political candidate? And the and speaking death against the other. Do you understand what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I'm just being honest right now. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Some of us need to just go on and repent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so are our words proclaiming the kingdom of God, the Lamb of God? Um, and then are the things we are putting in our hands to do reflecting the healing power of God mm-hmm. and positioning ourselves as vessels? Yeah. Um, the, the disciples actually were endowed with the power um, through through Jesus Christ to heal. And we have that same power. Yeah. It's not necessary. It may be. It may be that you lay on. I can't I can't call it. I can't call it. But what I do know is that we uh, we can position ourselves as vessels mm-hmm. and not saying it's in our power yeah. or in our spirit yeah. right but it's by his power and his might yeah. and his spirit yeah. and that's what the 72 I know girl really were each, each so one on of these point with. each one of these could be its own podcast in and of I know, itself because I know. every time we talk about prayer and and a healing work like that in and of itself needs to be needs yeah. to have its own space because yeah. we could talk about what healing yeah I'm, the power uh, of God in healing right now looks like yeah. in just its own entire space because yeah. that could be anything from like a compassionate hug it could be a text message like there are ways yeah. it could be making a meal for somebody yes. who's struggling like there's yeah. so many different ways where the our, sister who's really struggling with depression and feels alone or that single sister and continuing to to bring her to your space or to just listen. Yeah. I love how Jesus just models for us listening and Mm -hmm. then he just zeroes in. And so, you know, it's, it's just positioning ourselves as vessels. And then are we embracing, uh, witness or worldliness? Mm -hmm. Are we embracing (laughs) our witness or are we embracing worldliness? And the witness is the simplicity that Jesus called the disciples to when he says, don't take all these worldly possessions uh, with, with you when you're out here on mission. Yeah. It's rejecting, uh, it's, it's, it's really a rejection of security of the world so that the dependence is on those who repent and receive the yeah. word yeah. through servitude. So you're out here in, intentionally being a servant mm-hmm a true follower and a true discipler. And so there are so many implications from this. Oh, no. There's so many implications so and many. it's it's so real as we're we're talking about this especially in this time and this culture that we're in. And so we see these implications personally and then we go to seeing these implications socially. Mm-hmm. And Leah talk to us a little bit about this. I mean, when we saw the disciples like <laughs> straight up infighting, responding in fear and faithlessness. Mm-hmm. We saw that they got got so caught up in this and and how it tripped them up. And so we have like even in that, I think there's space to reflect on like where are the spaces where we are getting caught up in this fear and faithlessness and infighting. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about the response of the 12 and then the 72 and how there's this dynamic of of fruitfulness or lack of fruitfulness de- based on depending on how they responded. And so 
for me, I know that that's that's like something for real. Like even mm-hmm. right now in our Christian world dynamic, like yeah. the infighting is so real. Mm-hmm. And so that in and of itself is just and, a real whew. a real check, a whole check. It's a whole check. And so the question is, have we been caught up in yeah. fear and faithlessness and infighting? whether it's towards one another, mm-hmm. whether it's towards our neighbor, or whether it's towards other nations. Yeah. Um, are, are we caught up in this, uh, in this cycle that uh, happens? And what are our responses to a history of hostility? We saw this in the text, right? Oh, with, with the Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the Samaritan, Samaritan village. With yeah. the Samaritan village and the disciples where they were like, Oh, I can burn this joker down. You want me to condemn it, Lord? Mm-hmm. I can condemn it and 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 ask that fire mm-hmm. come down on this Samaritan village. Mm-hmm. And so, what are our responses to a history of hostility with people who we may be in, involved with in that infighting? Are we seeking condemnation on those we don't align with, or are we ignoring? out of pride and privilege, just as this lawyer was justifying himself? Or are we seeking to reflect as the Samaritan, the who's named the one, quote unquote, who models compassion mm-hmm. and care? Mm-hmm. And so do we, I, I think this is sort of a huge key takeaway for me personally, yeah, yeah. is if if I'm seeking to model this compassion and care, mm-hmm. that means that when I see and I hear, mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. And so, and that doing is constantly being bathed in prayer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a call to follow Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so, that's, that's, I feel like that hits the nail on the head with this passage because the Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan and Martha and Mary are back to back, right? So there's a compassionate doing that is that is out of a love and kindness mm-hmm. and loving your neighbor. And then there's a doing that's not based in compassion mm-hmm. where Martha, her posture eventually is straight up hostile towards Jesus himself right, right. because of the doing. Right. And so are we finding ourselves in places where we're mm-hmm. able to respond mm-hmm. that seeing and hearing leads to doing in compassion mm-hmm. or is the doing that we're led to not not born out of a place of seeing and hearing compassion, but it's born out of a place of, of duty, mm-hmm. which will lead to right. even a a resentment or hostility towards the very God that we say that we're serving. Mm-hmm. And then that's a whole check for ourselves because it's like, we're, mm-hmm. we're totally out of, I'm totally yeah. out of place when yeah. I find myself there yeah. because then my compassion, one, my love of God has grown cold and my compassion for the neighbor, the one that God has called me to love, mm-hmm. even now Martha is called to love Mary. That's mm-hmm. her proximity neighbor yeah. is totally missing. Yeah. It's totally missing. It's totally missing. So. And compassion. Passion mm-hmm. can only be found within the awareness of your own need yeah. for Christ. Right, right. That to redeem that repentance, is that repentance, everything, and saying, "Lord, you are who you say you are. Yeah, you have all power. You mm-hmm. have all authority, and you are the one who has come to suffer, to die. Yeah, come on. Yeah, to be rejected." Mm-hmm. And to to rise again, mm-hmm. so that I could follow you, yeah. and so that's where we find our compassion mm-hmm. and our care. If we if 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 we're not looking to him, yeah, if that, it's not rooted in that, it's it's yeah, 
It ain't, it ain't, it ain't him. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and pray for us. That was good. Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that um, you came down right in the midst of the disciples and said, this is my son. And he is the one that I have chosen. Listen to him. Father, we hear those words echoed in our own hearts that we are to listen to him. Help us, dear God, to have compassion and care for those who we find ourselves in fighting with in the moments of our day, whether it's those who are in extreme close proximity, whether it's our neighbor or whether it's another from another nation. Father, I pray that you would allow us to look to you, the one who suffered, the one who died, the one who was rejected and went to the grave and rose for your glory. Father, help us to look to you and help us to know, God, that what you desire for us through our words, our work, and our witness can only be done in you and not in ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a blessed day, ladies.